Hello everyone, um, welcome to this webinar today. I'm Francis Seeley from, well, a number of organizations, Global Net 21, Enfield Voices, Enfield Climate Action Forum. And between those organizations and with others, we do a number of webinars that really look or address a number of global, local and national issues. And today we're going to look at racial equality and talk to Chandra Bhatia, who's from the Enfield Racial Equality Council. Now that council has been around for quite a while and has done quite a lot of work in promoting racial equality and celebrating the diversity which exists in one part of London, and that is Enfield. So Ch Chandra, thank you for joining us today. And uh, as I always do when I do these webinars, I ask you first of all to briefly tell us a bit about yourself and your background. Chandra Bhatia and I work for Enfield Racial Equality Council. I came to this country at the age of 11 and uh, to join my father. Um, and um, I, hadn't, I hadn't seen him for about nine years actually. And um, so it was actually quite a, quite a tough start uh, coming here from a very different country, but you know, I settled down quite well and, uh, and got to know about uh, many um, issues that I actually would face later on um, with others that I work with. So, you know, I have some lived in experience of racism and also about settling into a new country and, and all those things, although I was quite resilient as a child. But um, yeah, still, uh, th that is one of the reasons that um, I probably ended up doing the kind of work that I ended up doing. So, so I mean, you're now in the, the, the Racial Equality Council called ERIC. Um, when did you get involved in that? And what was the reason for getting involved? Um, I got involved with Enfield Racial Equality Council in about 1987, but I was working in Redbridge before that. And um, the, my whole interest in race uh, uh, was from my degree. I actually did a degree in public administration, but I didn't really want to be um, working in an environment um, the local government and health and all these places without knowing how bureaucracy affected, um, you know, individuals. So I took a placement with Joint Council for the Welfare of Immigrants for a year and to, to see how, you know, people were actually getting affected by, um, you know, decisions that were made by bureaucracies and, you know, government and policies, etc. That that faced, you know, um, it's all very well making the policies, but how are they affecting the people that you are actually governing or, or working with? So I did that for a year. And then from there, my interest actually grew into um, race equalities and I started working. Um, and I finished my degree um, with racial, you know, in Redbridge as an assistant community relations officer. Then I came to Enfield and worked as the senior community relations officer eventually. And um, yeah, so I've been ever since because I really um, enjoy the, the job, which is quite uh, a strange thing to say, but it's, it's because it actually is satisfying in um, when you actually see the challenges and sometimes you actually do make an impact and majority of the time you don't actually, but you know, it's, it's stressful, but it's actually, um, you know, it is challenging and I enjoy the flexibility and the challenge of the job. No day, no two days are the same. No one day is the same, you know, every hour is, it changes to what I do, so. Well, I mean, I mean, from my point of view, it's certainly not a strange thing to say that you enjoy it, because I think it's a job that you can feel a great deal of satisfaction for. Now, for those people who don't know what ERIC is, can you tell us exactly what it is? 
Influential Quality Council was originally uh, called the Community Relations Council. It came about in about 1976 by individuals who thought it was important to bring communities together to chat, you know, to work with all the communities to help people who are emigrating here, you know, coming coming here. And um, I I think it was also they realized that there was a lot of racism um, and challenges facing those communities. So they came along to uh, from diverse communities, from churches, from um, from different organizations, you know, and um, in the, in a very very broad um, spectrum, including polit politicians, you know, from low level politics, I suppose, and um, um, you know people who are interested in just making some changes happen for the better. So it's it's actually um, quite interesting to see that um, some of those organizations and some of those individuals are still around because they're so committed to the cause, because they believe that it's very, very, very important to bring people together. So in the beginning, I think that the focus was mostly about community cohesion and bringing people together. And I remember in the beginning when I first got my job in um, in Redbridge, they say, you know, um, Chandra Boy, you know, jo jo Chandra Bhatia joins the racial harmony group, and I thought, oh my gosh, you know, <laughs> what kind of thing is, is is that to call it? But yeah, you know, it's like um, you're joining some sort of a singing group or something. But um, yeah, it's, it's, I think that was where the emphasis was at the beginning. But then, as as time went on, people thought, no, 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 it's not just enough to to do that. You've got to actually focus on equalities because you can't really get harmony um, and peace until you actually get some equalities within the communities. So it's uh, you know that that people can actually get some justice, and you know, um, kind of um, a life that that is uh, you know satisfying for them because they are face you know then they are actually on an equal footing to others. So and and then you know it's, we were facing at that time I think um, um, you know individuals said well I don't see color you know I'm, I've got my you know I treat everybody the same. So although you want striving for equality what you're really doing is also looking at needs of individuals and different communities within that. So all of those are like growing, um, you know, changes, I think, that uh, our kind of work has, has gone through. Yeah, I mean, you were talking about racial harmony group, and that was the Palmer Spring Racial Harmony Group. And that came from the Enfield Committee for Racial Harmony, which I got going in the mid-1970s. Um, and I, I got it going. I lost my battle about what it was called. I didn't want it called the Racial Harmony Group because it was doing the sort of things you were doing. But it led on to Palmer's Green Group, which then led on to Eric, which also brought in the Community Relations Council as well, which started at the same time. And at that time, we were, we were confronting the, a big challenge in the mid 70s of the National Front and a very explicit racism. Over the years, the challenges of racism have changed, though, haven't they? Yeah, they have changed to some extent. But I think that what people tend to say is, well, we don't actually have um, you know, racial discrimination anymore. People are very satisfied. They're getting chances to actually get to higher echelons of um, um, jobs, etc. But I think that some of the challenges remain and some of them have changed in so far as um, you may not get individuals shouting packy at you or, um, you know, you know that, that's a bad word to use, I know, but, um, you know, I use it because, I mean, to me, it's, it's, it's still used against me at times. So, I mean, to, to me, it's, it's important to actually acknowledge that these sort of things exist and the, the harm that it does to hear it. I mean, you know, you, you, I can use it, but it's like to get it back at me is, is very harmful. So, um, you know, that these things don't, may, may not exist in the same way, but it actually... Um, they're still under, un, underneath everything, and you've got um, 
very subtle racism now. You know, you've got um, um, the kind of individuals who will actually um, look at you in a way that, you know, saying, yeah, yeah, you know, like, you know, you, we, you know, we, we, we treat you equally, everything is fine. And now we don't actually have any difficulties. You actually have um, officers even say to me at times from local authority, well, race is done and dusted, really. You know, we, we've actually dealt with racial discrimination. We've got policies. We've got um, all kinds of issues and we monitor, we do this, we do that. Actually, we don't really have to concentrate on racial discrimination or racial equality anymore. We've got other 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 areas that we haven't really dealt with, you know, in, in different equalities areas, but which is fine um, in, in, in concentrating on those because, you know, we, we, we were, when we were, I remember going to meetings of the local authority and other, other organizations and saying, you can't have racial equality in, um, in isolation, you've got to deal with equality as a, as a whole. And within that, you've got racial equality as well. So you can't just deal with one sector of, of equalities field, you've got to deal with all of it. Otherwise, uh, it just doesn't work. So, sorry. For, yeah, sorry. I was gonna say, but the other big change, I mean, back in the mid seventies, we were dealing with explicit racism. And what we weren't talking about much then was what is now become called institutionalized racism. Um, and since Matt Ferson and so on, that's recognised as a major, major problem. Um, is that something that you recognise that we're now having to deal with embedded racism in our institutions itself? So it, I, uh, there is racism, but I think that it is very subtle. And I think that what people don't realise is it's a, it's a change from saying, I don't see colour and I, I treat everybody equally to actually saying, we actually are dealing with this issue already. We're already doing this, 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 and this. So that means that we actually don't have to do anything more. We actually um, are not really guilty of anything major that, that's happening. It could be you know, that people are not using our services. It's, it's a, just a very subtle difference between what people were saying before to, to what they're saying now in a way that um, you know, we, we don't have, um, that kind of um, overt racism. We don't discriminate at the point of somebody coming in for an interview and we don't offer them a job because of their color. It's, it's more subtle than that. It's, it's now about, you know, are we still um, appointing in our own image? Are we still looking at, at those kind of issues? I mean, who's actually at what level in your organization? You know, where, where are the people, if you're, if you're not discriminating, where are the people that you employed? Where are, you know, which, which levels are they at? And, you know, you need to actually think about um, the impact of your services and your policies, who, who are using them, you know, but I think there's less excuse now because people are monitoring. So you should be able to tell where, where your services are and where they're not. And if you've actually got um, services that you're providing, but somehow you've still got people in, in the bad housing from particular communities. Well, why is that? You know, it's, it's like, is it because, well, they always choose to go and live in a particular area? Really? Are you still telling me that? You know, it's like I've had that at, at, at you know, set of different times. Oh, well, they, they don't choose to live in certain areas. Even when they're offered council housing, they prefer to live in Edmonton, say, um, you know, there's nothing wrong with Edmonton if you don't, if you want to live there. But I mean, is it really um, real choice that they're facing? Is, is it something that, um, is it in the, the what, what is the inevitability about it? You know, so I think people need to look at those kind of things as to, you know, why would people want to be in that? Are they really choosing this? Um, you know, why are they choosing certain uh, professions or why are they choosing certain 
areas of working you know why would they want to you know do they feel comfortable in there because somebody actually knows something about that particular field that they're going yeah. into i mean you know, but, that i mean where people live and whether they choose to live there or whether they're forced to live there because of circumstances is is a really big question but the other big change since 1970s is that i mean there were ethnic minorities here in the 1970s, very much so, but it's a lot more now in terms of variety. It's much more diverse. Um, and you have many East Europeans who are not black, but they, they're ethnic minorities. Um, how has that changed the way that you work? Um, the way that we work is actually, um, in, in a way, we, we find it very difficult to actually um, adjust some of the things that we're doing, partly because of the fact that um, we have less resources now than we ever had. And we we need to reach out and, and do a lot of outreach with these communities because, you know, it's not that they're hard to find, it's because we, we're not reaching them. And I think that that is something that, um, you know, we need to work on more as, as an organization. But, uh, you know, we, we there are a lot of differences within the way that, um, you know, things came together before to reach you know, to, to help individuals who are settling in first. But now, but some of the issues that the, the new communities are facing are exactly the same. You, you may have cultural differences, you have language differences, you've got a lack of information about how you access those services. And, you know, so all of those issues are there. And, you know, like there are also, when in a neighborhood, you know, when, when new communities come in, they're facing the same issues that our, you know, the communities that I, for example, came from, you know, it's like, um, you know, the people don't understand that, you know, that they may not know, um, you know, how, how to actually um, access a certain certain things and, you know, like what is acceptable, what is not acceptable, and people tend not to um, welcome them. People don't tend to actually make the effort, you know, in, in, in and say, well, they don't approach us, you know, so I've had all of that as, as somebody growing up here, where I, and also in my my first job where people would ring up and say oh you know these people are parking in all my drives you know they're doing this they're doing that and you know I saw them doing some sort of um, function and they were dancing around a fire all kinds of ridiculous things like that and um, you know you just actually say to them you know have you approached those neighbors have you spoken to them have you actually, oh they don't speak the language well how do you know they don't speak the language so it's a similar sort of issues but now it would be even somebody from say uh, the the Asian community saying that about the you know Eastern European communities so you actually remind them actually you know people say that about you at some certain time yeah. and they were not making the efforts for you so what are you doing so it's, it's like a lot of community cohesion work has to be done in a similar kind of way it's just actually um you know get, getting to those yeah. issues so so how much of your work is actually giving advice to both individuals and organizations um, the advice and information that we've always given to people is is one proportion, very small proportion of our work, actually, because we don't want to see ourselves and we never have seen ourselves as the CAB for the BAME communities. So because what we what we tend to do is to identify, um, you know, who is actually in a way falling out of the system. So if who is not accessing and a lot of people are actually fall out from the different advisory services that already exist and they end up with us. Um, and actually, the, the main thing that we concentrate on is, is um, individuals facing dis racial discrimination in work or in housing or anywhere else. But, you know, they and um, who, ha who haven't been helped by other organizations. We, are, we, we, we tend to say, well, have you got, for example, somebody comes to us for employment issues 
first question we would say is, have you approached your union? Have you got a union? Are you a member of the union? Um, those kind of things. But so often I get told I don't trust the people within those organizations. They're not going to help me or they haven't helped me. So which is actually quite shocking, even this day and age, to, for them to say that to us. But, you know, so we say, well, actually, I think you do need to approach them. You do need to actually, uh, and we will actually help you in, if you wish, to, to identify the individuals within those organizations. However, I think what, what uh, we have in the past helped individuals take cases up to say in tribunal levels, but we can't do that anymore. We don't have those kind of resources anymore. We had an employment officer who used to um, assist individuals, but that, it's very time consuming to, to help individuals to that level. So what we would actually now do is signpost people, but if there are a lot, but my concern is that people are falling out um, of, of, the, of the system. They're not getting the help. And we're not in a position at the moment to do very much to, to take them to those levels. You know, like in the, in, in the beginning, we can help them. So we do so, have people who can actually help, you know, identify yeah. what they need to do. But so to we, do that, to do that, I mean, do you have links? Do you work with statutory authorities, like, for example, the health authority, the police and the local authority? Yeah, we, we, we have something we call a a you know um, a policy development policy promotional role but we, within that we um, you know we can raise issues of concern to individuals that may have a uh, a, a trend that that are uh, something that may be affecting others as well but also we have a critical friend role so what we would actually do is actually attend meetings at strategic level of um, these bodies and raise issues of concern and you know sometimes you know it's all very um, the policies are wonderful and and uh, actually um, have the potential to do a lot of good. But you know, how do you actually filter those down to the level where they're actually making an impact? Uh, so we would say to them, you know, what is the timeline? What is the impact? How are you dealing with this? You make all kinds of decisions. Have you looked at how it's actually going to impact the community that you are so you know supposed to be serving? And uh, I think those that those are the real challenges. I mean, you know, organisations are very sophisticated in you know, identifying policies now, I think, you know, they don't need us to help them so much with devising it, although we do have an input, but it's actually, we have to keep an eye on the fact that we turn around this way and actually nothing gets done. <laughs> so, so, I mean, how easy is it, for example, to work with them to council, the local authority? I mean, it was difficult in our day, community relations council tended to be working with the local authority and field committee for racial harmony was bottom up um, and bottom up, organizations very often are not looked on very favorably by councils and you sort of combine both those roles in a way so how easy has it been for you to work with MPhil council i think it's a tightrope that, that we walk and insofar as you know not being um, you know like um, um so critical that they don't listen to us you know so we we, we have to criticize in it in, in a way that um, they'll we'll still have their ear but also being able to actually reflect the needs. So it is, it is a bit of a, um, uh, you know, a, 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 it, it is quite difficult actually to do this because I think that there are with people within the council who may think that we are actually too critical and really just upon their side or, and, and not just the, them. I think the police or health authorities and others who, who just like to be hearing about how wonderful they're doing. However, we do need to actually raise, raise the, um, uh, the times when actually they're not reaching the people that they need. I think that actually we, we suffer from uh, the fact that um, nobody wants to be told that they're racist 
and nobody wants to be told that they've got institutional racism going on in their organization. Nobody wants to be told that they, all the efforts that they are making are actually not reaching the desired results because some people, and I would say many officers and many politicians, etc., are very genuine. They want to actually change things, but to actually hear that a lot of the efforts are really not good enough yet would, would, would be not something they want to hear. But you know, but we, we need to keep raising it. We need to keep talking about it. I think the difference between the the racial equality council and smaller groups would be that um, you know certain groups have particular secular. Um, needs or they're born for sectarian issues, which is fair enough. I mean, like you, you come from a particular community, you're reaching the needs, you know, you're trying to reach the needs for those people, and then you would raise those issues. And um, however, we, we identify, we try and identify the gaps where there are and raise those without any, um, um, you know, um, any, any favor for a particular community or another. I mean, I'm also asked about, um, do does the Racial Equality Council serve the needs of the the, the white community, I mean, they actually specifically say, do you, do you serve, you know, do they, they use those words. I mean, what about us white people? What do you do for us? Well, what we do for them is what we do for everybody else. Because if you've got an issue with your neighbor and you happen to be of a particular community and, you know, and, and they are harassing you, we would signpost you in the same way as we would signpost it as somebody from, from a BAME, BAME community. Um, if you actually got um, the, uh, if we're serving, uh, you know, uh, making the needs of the policy, you know, po policy needs heard for, for the BEM, BEM community. We're also doing that for the whole community because we are, you know, people live in the community. I mean, I was told many, many times, oh, you know, if we are actually going, this is from, from voluntary sector organizations who, uh, so, so, you know, um, in, in the past, they were very specifically saying, well, we can't do anything really more for the, for the, uh, the, the BEM communities because really, um, we um, we serve everybody and they're just not using our services. So what can we do? And if we have to do anything extra, we need more funding. Well, no, because I mean, like though they are your um, citizens and um, and the people that you should be serving anyway. And if you turn around and say 60 people from a particular community came in to use our services, well, so good, that's great because they live there, <laughs> they, they will have to come to you. So I mean, I think in, in a way it's, it's, it's difficult to, um, work with some communities but you know uh, some organizations but it, it is actually it, we, we are actually in an area where we are actually heard heard of you know um you know people will hear us more but actually um people like to sit on their laurels i think these days they just think they're doing enough yeah well i mean i mean it's good that you said that about representing all communities but let's look at two new problems very briefly that are coming up now and that we have to face and one is climate change and we know that climate change affects disproportionately those who are poor not well off and often ethnic minorities how is it important that you and the rest of us have to develop an approach and strategies around that i think actually we've failed as an organization in the past to, to address these because of the fact that, you know, it's like being regarded as not a priority. You know, you deal with racial discrimination first, you deal with racial harassment and all of that first. And you don't really think about climate change as, as an issue that concerns an REC. Um, I think it's not just ourselves. I think others, others would be the same in any policies movement. Um, you know, and I remember many years ago, somebody doing an interview with me about these things and with others from, from there and, they, and um, it was shocking to them to, to hear that we it wasn't our priorities um and i think that actually when i look back actually we were not really aware of how it was impacting 
everybody and you know why we had to keep, keep an eye on it i mean it's something that actually we're learning along with everybody else that you know it is not something that happens elsewhere it's not something that's going to happen in 50 years time it's not something that's going to be you know we deal with it tomorrow it is something that we're learning i think that in particularly myself you know i'm learning that it's something that you you deal with now i suffer from asthma for example and my asthma would be as an individual affected by air pollution and why is that be, you know why is there so much air pollution so you question those in, in in effects that you as a person but also your family and others and then you think about the community around you and then you then you get to know that it's not something that's actually far off and something that doesn't concern you because it's a global thing it's not a local we're, we're a little organization we're only supposed to deal with you know enfield well yes it affects enfield you know, it's like something that you know we're getting to know and it's important that we actually build that into our policies and our work and and the other big issue which has always been around but it's become very prominent now is what people call the east-west divide yes. the fact that it's in the east that many of the problems exist and it's in the east where many of the ethnic minorities are living is that now a real problem that you have to confront yeah, it's, it's about inequalities in general. It's, it's been it's been known for so long that that you know these inequalities exist within the within the borough, and you know the the life expectation expectation uh, ex sorry, you know you know is 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 so um, uh, you know the, the difference in uh, you know the amount of years that somebody would live in the east and you know is is enormous and and just it's been known for so long. It's just that COVID has revealed it further, uh, furthermore, and I'm glad to see that people are now starting to make the link between housing and, you know, in and uh, you know overcrowding, education, you know, uh, employment. All of these issues are linked, and of course, you know, climate change will affect certain areas more than others. I think people are starting to learn that, learn that, but it it is actually very very important that you address what one of those things will then change. You know, if you address one thing, other things will be changing as well but if if something goes bad in one particular direction it will it'll be worse so yeah i think that how, how you address that to tell you the truth i i don't know quite how you actually change it all quickly i think it's, it's something that um we we need to press on um to to the agencies and services and policy makers um to to address address and um but one of the things that I think that we can do is raise awareness. And I think there's an organization, we have a network, we have members, we have um, people that are organizations that we work with. In the same way that we work on racial equality, I think we need to also tell people about the needs to address climate change as well. Not because we are politically going at it, but it's yeah. because it's impacting on people's life. Yeah. I, I think all of us want to change things quickly and we find it's much harder than we think very often. Uh, but given all the problems that we are facing increasingly, are you optimistic about the future or do you think we're in for a rough ride? I think I'm quite optimistic, actually. I'm kind of one of those optimistic kind of people, otherwise I wouldn't still be here, I think. I think that, you know, believe, I, I believe that there is change um, that occurs and sometimes it's evolution rather than revolution but I think it's actually um, you, you have to press the right right levers in a way and we we're not always in the position to do so but there are lots of people sitting out there who've got those powers who can actually do that so you actually have to impact on them and make them aware that they can't sit on on those uh, you know on the fences any longer I think that they they are the ones who actually need to do this and all we can do is to actually impact on that by actually in a way, raising awareness at all levels. I think that individuals, when they're aware of how 
climate change is affecting them personally. I think they will then put, you know, if you put the tools in their hands as to then work with those people who've got the policies and uh, um, service providing, you know, powers, you know, they, they're the ones that they need to make the changes, but the people, they, they will only get, I think, the pressure from the people below. Um, and then if they actually, it's not just, nobody's going to just listen to Chandra or NFLRC. I mean, if we join forces like we are, you know, working with, 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 uh, with you, Francis, um, and other organizations we bring together, we have a joint joint voice. I think only then we can make an impact. And I think it's good to actually link in the fact that inequalities are actually, um, you know, something that actually need to be addressed by everybody. It's something that affects all of us because if there are certain people in the community who are not getting their full potential, um, you know, um, rights to their rights and um, access to services, et cetera, but it affects us as well. It affects those who've got it. You know, it's not just people who have, you know, we can sit there and say, oh, that's great. You know, I won't be impacted on this because I'm all right with the cost of living or whatever else it is, you know, I'm okay. But it's not, it, it, in the end, it comes around, it's a full circle. So we need to actually make people aware of the fact that inequalities in one area of, of the borough is not good for, not for the other, other side either. Okay, well, we've sort of come to the end of our half hour now. So, you know, if anybody wanted to find out more about Eric, what you do, make contact with you, where would they go? Um, I think the best way to contact us is by, um, by email, actually, at the moment. Um, and then we will actually work with you and um, help you to sort of like um, give you more information about what we do and how we can actually involve you in our work. And in, also, in, in fact, if you want to actually approach us for any issue that you have, then, then yes, we we will um, we will respond back to you by phone or Zoom or any you know make an appointment uh, you know as we're starting to get back from the pandemic we we will do some face to face appointments as well in community house we we're based in community house at the moment and uh, you know we we would uh, love to hear from anybody who's interested in any level of our work so yeah please please do contact us because we would like new members but we will also be able to assist individuals we do we, we will signpost you if necessary or we can give you some help if we can okay well thanks very much chandra i mean it's really sort of satisfying to me to know that from those early days in the 1970s when we started the racial harmony group it's led step by step to eric today um so you know all the things we did then was not in vain and you carried it on and carried it on further and i think eric does a great job and you involve a lot of people and you help a lot of people so you know thank you for what you do and thank you for what eric does um because i think in the borough that's really important with a growing and diverse community that we have so you know i hope people will support you i think i hope people will contact you and i hope people will get involved with you so thanks for doing the interview chandra and um you know we'll finish this interview now okay thank you francis thanks, thanks.